if they cut communication cables between, say, New York and Europe, trillions of dollars worth of transactions go through those cables. It could be an economic nightmare to the U.S. and the EU. Welcome to the Pen and Sword podcast from Stratfor, a rain company. I'm Emily Donahue, in for Fred Burton. It happened 20 years ago, long after the Cold War had ended, when Bill Clinton was President of the United States and Vladimir Putin was the newly elected leader of Russia. It was a few months before the U.S. and Russia sent the first combined crew to the International Space Station. It was the explosion that sent the Russian nuclear submarine Kursk to the bottom of the Barents Sea. Most of the crew died immediately. 23 slowly suffocated in the freezing deep. The tragedy captured attention around the world. William Craig Reed says the tragic accident wasn't the whole story. Reed is the former Navy diver and fast-track submariner and author of Red November. In his latest book, Spies of the Deep, he claims to have uncovered the real story behind the Kursk. William Reed, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Great to be here. What drew you to this story specifically? Many years ago, I actually served as a submariner. And while on one of our missions that was top secret at the time, we actually ran into a Russian submarine deep inside their harbor. And they depth charged us and shot torpedoes at us. And it took us three days to escape. So I'm very familiar with how you can come very close to demise on a submarine. And when I heard about the Kursk in August of 2000, it hit me pretty hard. Even though we had technically been enemies years earlier, I felt an affinity for those submariners. But what I heard on the news coming from not only the Russians, but also the U.S. government, I knew could not be the truth. I knew they were lying, and I knew this because of what I had experienced and because of my experience as a submariner. It took me 20 years uh, to finally get people to come forward and talk about it, including submariners on two submarines very nearby this tragic accident. But I finally uncovered the truth, and it's now in the book Spies of the Deep. So what really happened to the Kursk? We have to go back to August of 99, when Putin was trying to run for president. He only had 2% of the vote. And so the Kursk submarine went on a top-secret mission, and they actually got very close to and got a firing solution on an aircraft carrier we've heard about in the news recently, the Theodore Roosevelt. It's the one that's been impacted by the (laughs) COVID-19 virus. Now, that actually set up all of this because they came back and Putin met with the captain of that submarine. He went down to the pier, became an honorary submariner. His father was a submariner, by the way, and he promised the Russian people to change Russia and to focus more on the military, especially the submarine navy, and bring Russia back to greatness. That propelled him to 53% of the vote in March the following year. Then less than six months later, he was president when the curse went down. But he and the entire world was lied to about what really happened. And it has to do with a top secret weapon they were about to test. Wow. So tell me more about that. 
So what happened was in January of that year, we sent a spy to Russia who was a former naval officer. His name was Edmund Pope. He was trying to find information on this new rocket torpedo the Russians had created called the Schwal. But he failed. Not only did he fail, but eight days after Putin came to power, he had Edmund Pope arrested and thrown in jail. So we were unable to get the information about this top secret weapon. So we were then forced to send two submarines, the Toledo and the Memphis, to this naval exercise that happened in August, July and August of 2000. And they were very nearby, very close by, as I was aboard submarines years earlier, conducting espionage operations, trying to record and see and hear what was going on with this test. But the evidence shows that one of them, the Toledo, may have gotten a bit too close, and it's possible they could have caused this rocket torpedo to get lodged in the tube. It then exploded, and that's what sent the curse to the bottom of the Barents Sea. How did the Toledo cause the torpedo to get lodged inside the... Well, typically what happens when you uh, have a submarine right nearby, and again, I've been involved in many of these exercises, you may not hear them until they're very close. And so it appears that the Kursk sonar operators, they call them acoustic operators, didn't hear it until it was very close And the Toledo either scraped across the bow or came very close, and the Kursk had to rapidly maneuver out of the way. And this jarred the Schwal torpedo, most likely in the tube. And this is what experts believe, is that the firing mechanism had already been started. And when it was lodged in the tube, the firing mechanism lit off and the rocket engine lit off. It blew off the back of the torpedo tube door and lit off the other torpedoes in the torpedo room. Well, I remember this happening, and I remember the long wait to learn what happened to those 23 crew members. You say Putin refused help from the West, even though they may have been somewhat responsible. Why? That's correct. And so I did get the honor and privilege of interviewing the Norwegian, actually more British than Norwegian, uh, crew and divers, diving supervisors aboard the Seaway Eagle. They were finally brought in to help, quote unquote, rescue the survivors. But at that point, they didn't know at the time, but it was already too late. And what they discovered, and I actually have pictures and video of this and their personal testimony uh, was shocking. It was absolutely shocking. The Russians were trying to rescue these 23 survivors, but they had antiquated equipment. They did not have deep diving capability. It's called saturation diving. They breathe helium oxygen to stay down longer. They didn't have this. And so they uh, were not able, and not only not able, but they may have actually caused the demise of these 23 sailors. That's what the evidence shows that these divers uncovered. So the Russians were not only weren't able to save the crew, but they potentially ended up hastening their deaths. Yes, that's correct. And that's what they wanted to bury. That and they also didn't want anyone to know about this top secret weapon they were testing. And they had log books and they had code books and they had things on the submarine they didn't want anyone from the West to see. And that took precedence, unfortunately, over these 23 lives. 
Well, you mentioned that, uh, you know, you have this video and you've spoken to these rescue divers. Did you do any personal investigative submarining to write the Spies of the Deep? Yes, absolutely. I did get the opportunity to interview dozens of submariners who were aboard the Toledo and the Memphis, as well as other experts and operators who were involved. A number of Russians, uh, not only government, but naval officials who were involved in, in this ordeal. And various different experts from around the world, not only from the UK, but um, Norway and so on. So it took many years and had help from uh, a lot of uh, contacts to get a hold of people who could bring forward the truth. And there hasn't been a book written since about 17, 18 years ago. And what they knew back then uh, was very uh, minimal in comparison to what we know today. We'll get back to our conversation with William Craig Reed in just a moment, but I wanted to speak to you first about why Stratfor and Rain's content is an extraordinary value in these extraordinary times. The real-time challenges of living in an increasingly interconnected world have rarely been more clearly on display as they have this year. Just listen to the interview we're doing. The coronavirus pandemic has affected every single aspect of government, business, life, and technology. How we manage the associated risks have direct implications for the broader public interest. Right now, individuals and businesses are turning to Stratfor and RAIN for risk intelligence that cuts through the hype to focus on what they need to know, what to expect, and what to do. Together, Stratfor and RAIN help you understand the why behind what's happening now. Because what happens next, well, that's up to you. Find out how Stratfor and RAIN can help you at rainnetwork.com. Thank you. We only just recently, last year, had another secret test that blew up a Russian sub. Were they similar in scope? I actually talk about that submarine in Spies of the Deep. It was called the Lasharik. And this was a spy submarine, deep diving spy submarine, that was actually used a few years back to gather geological information from about 14,000 feet deep up near the North Pole that Putin used to strong arm the UN, if you will, so that Russia could claim all of the oil and gas and minerals in that area. Now, they haven't yet won that claim, but they're close. And the Lashark has also been looked at by our spy agencies because they have the ability to do what we did during the Cold War that I wrote about in Red November, and that is to wiretap communication cables and perhaps even cut those communication cables. Now, if they cut communication cables between, say, New York and Europe, trillions of dollars worth of transactions go through those cables. It could be an economic nightmare to the U.S. and the EU. So that's sort of a leverage uh, you're saying that Russia has over the United States and possibly China because that North Pole area and that Arctic area is hotly contested right now. Yes, it absolutely is. And uh, not only is Putin looking to lock that up for oil and gas, literally trillions of dollars worth up there, but he has already locked up the Northern Sea Route. And that is really where the latter part of my book concentrates, because it's not just that the curse went down and we've got to correct history and there were secrets that uh, are coming out. 
But what does this mean to us today? That's really what this book is about. And today, Putin has locked that up. Why is that important? It shaves 40% off the time and cost of shipping goods as compared to other straits, Strait of Hormuz, Panama Canal, etc. That's critical because 90% of the goods that you and I buy come to us via sea routes. Mm -hmm. And if Putin or China or other countries start locking up those sea routes or Iran caused problems with sea routes, uh, you think toilet paper is hard to buy, uh, we'll be standing in line for everything. Right, right. Or or it would further consolidate Russia's control of that space and therefore probably make Russia an economic force globally as well. No question. So they will gain economically. That could tip the balance in terms of our capability to control economic uh, resources worldwide. And we could get into conflicts. We sent some ships to the Northern Sea Route on what we call a a no rep, which is uh, basically um, a way for us to contest uh, whether or not uh, they can control that um, that sea lane. And we're bringing a knife to a gunfight. You know, we have a, a very few number of ships. Uh, that can traverse that area. They have dozens. Uh, so it's it's a very serious situation that most people aren't aware of. Well, Strat4 has done geopolitical analysis of the Arctic, especially when it comes to the unequal capabilities between Russia and China and the United States for um, laying claim to that route. You call the sinking of the Kursk a historical pivot point and you say it's propelling the world towards a new Cold War. Is this what you're meaning? Yes, correct. And so what happened was, after the demise of the cursed, Putin, being a consummate chess player, made several key moves. He used this incident to wrest control of the energy firms in Russia from the oligarchs, to line his own pocket, of course, but then to use this newfound funding to propel Russia to much stronger uh, economic power by focusing on the military, especially the naval military. And that has led us toward a new Cold War. And mm-hmm. so he's you know, the consummate chess player. And that incident uh, has propelled us there. Plus, we have a number of uh, reverse engineered weapons that came from that. So the Shkval torpedo I mentioned, uh, Iran reverse engineered it, created the Hoot rocket torpedo. That's giving us some great consternation in the Strait of Hormuz today. China reverse engineered it. They have new weapons and submarines based on this. Very concerning. North Korea uh, and a number of other countries um, have, have used this new technology. It's called super cavitating. It's like a force field around the front of these torpedoes. And today, that's causing us a lot of concern. Yeah, I would imagine so, uh, especially when you say that the United States is taking a knife to a gunfight. Um, Is that the only impact of this curse tragedy? I imagine there's more to this. Yes, no question about it. Uh, we, We are seeing that because Russia and other countries 
have been able to use what was learned and gained from this tragedy. One of the things is I mentioned Russia's inability to deep dive. Well, we taught them how to do that. And in fact, Dick Cheney, who was former CEO of Halliburton, stepped down from Halliburton to run for vice president of the United States alongside George Bush. Just a few months after he stepped down, his company, Halliburton, was used by Russia to teach them how to do this deep diving, saturation diving for the salvage of the Kursk. Well, now that technology today is being used, as I mentioned, by the Losharic and in other ways to perhaps wiretap or cut cables and to spy on us. Uh, so we're seeing all kinds of things coming out of uh, what happened with this Kursk incident maneuvering, positioning, and where we are today, it's, it's, uh, it's actually quite frightening. It does sound like something that the United States should have been aware would happen when it came up too close to that submarine. <laughs> you know, in your book, you mentioned that um, the impacts that exist in our world today aren't limited to just global geopolitics. It also has an effect on domestic politics. Can you explain that to me? Yes, absolutely. And so we have to go back to the early 70s when Nixon took the world off of the gold standard and shifted us to what we call the petrodollar. And what that means is that all energy trades were thence made using U.S. dollars. And Saudi Arabia, the OPEC countries agreed to it. In exchange, we would protect them from their enemies. Well, it's been that way ever since, but now Russia and China don't like that anymore because it gives us control over world economies and we can tighten screws and do economic sanctions, etc. They would prefer to move the world to more of a petro yuan or petro ruble, hmm. and they're making moves to that effect. Uh, they cut a $400 billion deal for energy trades, not using U.S. dollars. This was done a few years ago. Uh, Russia provides Europe with a third of their natural gas, and a lot of that's now moving away from U.S. dollars and so on. And as that continues, it will undermine the U.S. dollar. That could cause an economic nightmare in the U.S. and EU far worse than what we're seeing with the coronavirus. In your book, you talk about Putin using all of this power to interfere in U.S. elections. Of course, that was a big certainly a very big concern for the 2020 presidential election. Do you think that's still a risk there? No question. And so it, it really, from Putin's standpoint, being the consummate chess player that he is, he looks many moves ahead. And it's not that he favors one candidate or another or just loves one person more than another, most likely. It is more related to the lesser of two evils in his mind in relation to who might block his agenda or his moves more than another. So he may look to back one candidate over, over another in certain situations and use their social media capability to perhaps influence things so that whoever gets into office will be less likely to perhaps block his eventual agendas and moves, especially in relation to the Arctic. I think one of the key things that we have to keep in mind is that even though we are in the midst of fighting a world enemy, no question, in relation to a virus, uh, that 
doesn't care who it kills, that can and has actually caused a lot of issues that we're going to deal with after this is all over. Our Navy has been severely weakened by this, as we've seen from the Theodore Roosevelt, a number of submarines, etc., And that will likely bolster moves, and we're seeing it already, from China, North Korea, Iran, Russia, you name it. They're going to see this as a potential opportunity to take various moves here and there where we can't counter as well as we could have or at all, depending. Uh, We can't take our eye off of that. And so it's very important that we don't forget that uh, in the heat of the moment. William Craig Reed is a best-selling author. His latest book is Spies of the Deep, the untold truth about the most terrifying incident in submarine naval history and how Vladimir Putin used the tragedy to ignite a new Cold War. Thank you for being on the Penance War podcast today. Thank you. Very much appreciated. You can read more about the U.S., China, and Russia fight for control of the Arctic at Stratfor Worldview. Podcast listeners get a special offer. Go to stratfor.com slash podcast offer. That's stratfor.com slash podcast offer. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening.